0: Hello, and welcome back to Vince and Jason's Save the Nation, where two regular guys sit here and have a conversation. I'm on the left, he's on the right. I'm always in the right, just joking. But we always uh, like to have a good, productive conversation about the news and about cultural issues. And we're happy that you're here to join us. I'm here, I'm Dr. Jason Nichols. This is my colleague, Vince Colonnese. And right now, I'm gonna turn it over to Vince.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jason. Uh, and thanks for all of you who joined us on our first two episodes of Vincent, and Jason's Save the Nation uh, and make sure you subscribe anywhere you can find podcasts and definitely on YouTube uh, on that Daily Caller account. You'll be able to see all these episodes uh, live in color, um, actually not live taped, but still in color. Uh, I want to talk today about Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, of course, who has been such an important or such an essential uh, figure throughout COVID in both the Trump and the Biden administrations. He's been in government for decades. But specifically when it comes to coronavirus, he's become about as famous as he's ever been. I mean, the previous time was back when he was a part of dealing with AIDS, uh, the AIDS virus back in the 80s. But now, you know, his name is a household name, Dr. Anthony Fauci. People waiting to find out what does Fauci think of every development as the pandemic moved along. And we find out this week that coming this fall, I wanna see if you can see this, coming later this year, you're gonna be able to purchase a book authored by Dr. Anthony Fauci. There it is right there. Let me say, Boom. Expect the Unexpected is the name of the book. (laughs) And it's uh, 10 Lessons on Truth, Service, and the Way Forward. And Jason, I have a big objection to the idea that Dr. Fauci is about to write a book on truth. Um, I'll start by saying this. You know, Fauci, when the pandemic began, to me, I don't know about you, but to, I I felt like he was like the comforting voice, right? Like he was kind of like the wise old guy in the room, uh, who like you kind of like wait to find out what does the scientist think, and he had this, just this manner that kind of drew you in. Like it's like, hey, you know, Fauci's explaining what's going on. You know, early in the pandemic, he's like, don't worry, everything's gonna be okay. That turned out not to be the case. Uh, he he at first was saying, hey, don't bother with the masks, uh, and then eventually. Admitted. And actually, now you can, you can get masks. The reason we were saying don't bother with the mask is because we were trying to prevent uh, shortages for medical officials. And, and those are one thing. But on the issue of truth, Jason, there's some, there's some things that really stand out to me. And it doesn't take any investigative journalism to get to the bottom of this. These are things that Anthony Fauci has said out loud in public in december of this past year he did an interview with donald mcneil of the new york times and in that interview he explained that he had been intentionally moving the goalposts on what he considered to be herd immunity so at one point i'm just gonna give some examples because i don't have the, the notes in front of me but he would say something like i think herd immunity is like 60 of the population either as antibodies or is vaccinated and then he would watch polling he, he explained to the new york times he would watch polling to see how many americans were inclined to get the vaccine. And as he saw the numbers growing, he began saying, he again told the New York Times, he changed, he said, I, I would nudge it up a bit, what I would say in public about herd immunity. I'd nudge that number 70, 75%. Once I felt like enough of the public was comfortable with getting the vaccine. Now, when we hear something like that, and, and he's, he's made this decision that, no, no, he's not gonna tell you what he really thinks about the science. He's going to tell you as much science as he thinks you can handle. Doesn't that kind of suggest to you that he's like making political judgments about the way that he governs his job rather than science-based ones? Like, don't we turn to him for science and not for uh, political messaging?
0: So I, I wouldn't necessarily call that political. Um, I, I'm not familiar with the, with the interview. You, you've referenced it before, but I, I actually haven't read that interview Sure, Um, myself. So I I have to put that out on the table. Um, What I do know about Dr. Anthony Fauci, first of all, just to start from the beginning. um, He was somebody who during that HIV epidemic was incredibly important, um, was initially hated by a lot of HIV activists. And then they turned around and loved him because they saw the effort that he put in and how he literally is the person who explained, and this was over time, it didn't happen in 12 months, over time and over lots of research, explained how it is that our immune system is attacked by HIV. Um, so I think it was, you know, he's had an incredible, uh, incredibly important career. He is a hero in the medical community. He is the 13th, between 1983 and 2002, he was the 13th most cited scientist across all disciplines. I believe it. You know, um, and he, he's been an incredible influence on uh, our culture and on public health. He is, he is like literally a hero in the field of public health and medicine.
1: He, he may have now,
0: now, Now, let me just say, I think, no, sure. he still is, trust me. But, But what I will say is that you know, he is a scientist and he was thrust into the political arena uh, unwittingly and unwillingly. Um, And that's actually come out, if you've seen his emails that have come out. He did not, he was not really comfortable with that. He did not, he was not looking to be a household name. And even having to go on all these television shows and podcasts, Uh um, he did that because he was trying to counter some of the disinformation and alternative facts that were coming from political entities. So I, I think, uh, did he move the goalposts and try to make people more comfortable with yes. a vaccine? I can tell you this, you know, there is so much vaccine hesitancy, um, particularly in certain communities, African-American communities have been very hesitant about vaccines. To me, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I understand the logic, but I think the logic is flawed. Yeah, um, I think the the same thing with people on the right who are like, you know, praise Trump for getting us the vaccines, but we don't trust them enough to take them. <laughs> you know, and and so I think that that is something that was troubling, and all of the things that happened, and right. the fact that even Dr. Burks, when we talk about, you know, uh, not just Fauci, but bring Dr. Burks into it. Yeah, who also was not comfortable with the political end of this. She's a public health scientist. And with her, one of the things she said was she would bring reports and facts and all these things to the White House, and they would ignore them and have alternative facts from people who were not as experienced as Dr. Burks or Dr. Fauci in uh, virology and immunology and were not the director of the NIAID.
1: The Fauci, the Fauci emails, I think were are interesting and we're still processing them. Thousands of pages of emails that have come out, they're in public, and, and a lot of people are reading them over. I think one of the things that stands out about the Fauci emails, kind of to your point about the way he was in the Biden administration, excuse me, when he was a part of the Trump administration, was that he was saying, look, I wasn't muzzled. I wasn't muzzled in any capacity. I could speak out as often as I want, and I did. And I was and I, and I was all over the place. These are contemporaneous emails that show that Fauci never felt ever under. Uh, a duress or or under the thumb of the administration that he was completely free to speak. And he did a lot. I mean, he was he
0: sure everywhere.
1: Did. This is, this yeah. guy, I, I don't, I don't think this guy was all that reluctant to, to be in the spotlight because he was constantly in the spotlight. He's on the cover. Well, again, of like, You, he's on you the and I know
0: that that you can be thrust into the spotlight, like if whether you like it or not, particularly in the interest of public health, when you hear certain things coming from other political sources that have huge followings. And, I, and you know, of course, primarily I'm talking about uh, the former president, but I'm also talking about other people. You know, uh, we remember the woman, who, uh, the demon sperm lady, and they had these white coat ladies or white coat doctors and, uh-huh. and the demon sperm lady was up there saying uh, stuff about certain drugs, hydroxychloroquine and others that were supposed to be so effective and killing it and that the left just wanted people to die and all these kinds of ridiculous things. Um, So I I think he felt the need to go out and reach as many people as possible. And when we talk about someone in that field, he is the one with the most credibility. So that's why I brought up his experience uh, with HIV and you brought it up as well, yeah. is the fact that he has the most credibility in the scientific community. So
1: here's my, I want to point out though, I think, I think whatever credibility he's accrued over his, his career, I think in a lot of ways, he squandered it in the last year, big time. And, and not, it's not just on the issue of the goalposting. So that's just one example of where he admitted out loud, he said, I was misleading the public. That, that's, that's explicit uh, in terms of what his views were. The other one that stands out to me is the exchange. He had a, two consequential exchanges, I think with Senator Rand Paul, this year, who who himself is an eye doctor. And Rand Paul, in Senate testimony, um, is asking Dr. Fauci, why are you wearing double masks inside of this hearing now that you've been vaccinated? You've been vaccinated. The only reason to wear masks like this is theater. What you're doing is theater. And Fauci responded at the time, oh no, no. Here we go again with the theater. It's not theater, he says. And then subsequently, a few weeks later, after the CDC changes its guidance for vaccinated people, Anthony Fauci. Is taking off his mask now. Uh, this is a guy who claimed that, like, after he was vaccinated, I'm still not going to restaurants. I'm still not going. He 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 like let out a litany of things about how he's not going to change his life. He's going to stay hold up. And so when the CDC changes its guidance and said, "Hey, vaccinated people, you don't have to wear masks in like almost every situation," now you're good to go. Um, Fauci told George Stephanopoulos on ABC that the reason he kept wearing the mask before, remember the era when he told. Rand Paul, it's not theater, is because he said, I didn't want to send mixed messages from the CDC. He's like, but you should know that if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear the masks. You know, let me just, I'll, let me stick the landing on this. It is so obvious that he knew that when he was sitting in front of Rand Paul. So when Rand Paul asked him a really simple question, like, hey, you're doing this for appearance purposes. You're doing this for theatrical reasons. And then he says, no, that was a lie. He was doing it for theater, theatrical reasons. And he admitted as much when he spoke to George Stephanopoulos.
0: So again, there, there are so many things to go over there. And, and I'm a little disappointed that you are making fun of your fellow paisans accent.
1: But I kind of yeah. like it. It's charming.
0: <laughs> no, it really is. It really is. Uh, um, he's, he is a charming kind of grandfatherly kind of guy. It's true. Um, but I, I will say this, the mask. You call it theater, I call it best practices. That's what he's hes trying to promote mask wearing because at that point when he was talking to Rand Paul, we were not even close to herd immunity and we'd seen 500,000 or 400,000 Americans die. So he was trying to model best practices as opposed to people who didn't do so. And uh, I, I will agree, you can call it theater. I can call it, you know, trying to, uh, Influence the public to do the right thing, so that we can have as many people are safe who are safe as possible. Because yeah. there are going to be people who are going to watch that and say, "Well, Fauci didn't even have on a mask in there. Why should I wear a mask?"
1: But don't, you know? and, but and, don't and, pretend. And, I would say though, don't pretend the vaccines work, or don't say the vaccines work, and then pretend like they don't. So if 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 we're saying the vaccines work, then well, there, then, there
0: were questions about the vaccines at that point that have been since been answered. Number one. Uh, The idea that many people had and that, you know, hadn't yet been proven was that you could still carry the virus as someone who had been vaccinated, you just wouldn't get sick. That was, and that's really just been disproven in the last couple of weeks, where it's like, okay, you probably won't get the virus either. There are a lot so, of things that have come out in the last couple of weeks about the vaccine. Don't I can agree with you. on.
1: The I, I could accept that explanation were it not for the fact that when when Fauci sits down with George Stephanopoulos, he says the only reason he didn't take the mask off is because he was concerned about sending mixed messages. Yeah, right. No, so in other words, he, he claims he's like, look, I knew what the science was, but I didn't want to appear to be disagreeing with the CDC. So I waited until the CDC came along that that and he, is and
0: he, he shouldn't contradict the, the CDC. Because you know what will happen on the right? People will say, oh, see, the CDC says this, Fauci says that, NIAID says this, CDC says that, who says this? No one knows, so I'm just going to live my life and not wear a mask, and then people die.
1: Okay, let me let me go back so to something you want, said.
0: He wanted to err on the side of, of caution. Yes. And the other thing that I think it's important to say about uh, Rand Paul is he is not an immunologist. He's not a virologist. He's not a public health expert. He's an eye doctor that is not board certified and actually told something that was not true. He is a practicing eye doctor. I don't know how good he is, but I know that he's not board certified. What, as of-
1: what, I, I, I don't even know what this means. Like he's, but he's a, he's an actual trained doctor who went to medical school and working sure. on eyes is a pretty advanced thing. I mean, you'd have to, in other words, like he knows but the basics of medicine.
0: Health. Yeah, but it's not public health. And it's and it's also not immunology or virology. And the other thing is that he is not board certified.
1: You understand? Okay. So what? who can? So who's ever going to be allowed to be in a position to to question an expert if these so are your you standards? Can,
0: anybody can question an expert. That's what everybody who was in, on the Senate uh, right. committee was doing. They're all yeah. questioning the experts because they want to get to the bottom. And gotcha. again, uh, I think. Rand Paul instead wanted to slam dunk on people, which is well, again what look, we should not be doing, and that's politicizing public health. Is when you want to say, "Hey, I bet you this will run on Fox News. I bet you Dan Bongino will pick this one up. I'm gonna yeah. dunk from the foul line on Dr. Fauci on TV." And that's look, you can object in the politicization of what's been going on with COVID.
1: You can object to Rand Paul's form. I think that makes fine. That's fine sense. I I don't object to it because I I happen to think that it served a a public service, which is pointing out the obvious. Look, if you want to decrease vaccine hesitancy, like what should be obvious is obviously let people understand the wonders of the vaccine, like what it actually does for people and what, how it's going to improve your life. You can get back to normal. That should be the that's public health one-on-one. You don't have to be a trained epidemiologist to understand That incentives uh, create better pathways for public health outcomes that where people find out like, hey, I can get the thing that I want back my normal life. The other side of this, and you mentioned vaccine hesitancy, and I think this is the centerpiece right here. It's the fact that people don't trust institutions that lead to hesitancy. And when you get vaccine hesitancy, no matter where it comes from, you mentioned among black Americans, you mentioned among Trump supporting Americans, vaccine hesitancy. Where is that fundamentally from? Well, you and I both know it's a lack of trust either in the government or big pharma or the institutions. So if you are a public health official like Dr. Fauci, the guy to whom the media turns almost exclusively or at least the highest volume of media appearances where there's a government official telling you how to think about all this. It is incumbent upon you to never be caught in a situation where you have to admit that you were misleading the public before in the interest of conditioning their response. The only thing you should be doing, if you're fashion, is sharing the science, what you know at the moment you know it. And that's it. And, well, yeah. and again, encouraging people to get the vaccine, that's totally fine. You can do that. But don't like he just kept getting caught uh, throughout this, Jason saying things, then changing his mind or changing what he was saying in public and then explaining that he actually knew all along something different, but he was trying to condition basically the dumb public to behave the way that he wanted them to behave.
0: Well, I I think, again, uh, Fauci was in an unprecedented circumstance um, with the amount of voices and how this was politicized. Not saying that HIV wasn't politicized. Um, of course, Fauci is is really known for, you know, he developed therapies for a lot of fatal diseases, at least three. Um, you know, polyarthritis, nodosa. you know, which is, I think it's the swelling of your arteries. Um, and he, you know, he's done a lot of things that have gained him this credibility. And at this point, His main public health goal was to save American lives. And there were others whose main goal was to win political points. And I think he was trying to challenge that. And again, a lot of the the knowledge, the knowledge that he developed for HIV took a decade. The knowledge that we were expecting for this global pandemic, you know, and people are, you know, not, they don't trust because it's global, you know, something comes out of China. People don't trust it. Some people do. Things come out of Italy. People trust it. Some people don't. You know what I mean? Like it it gets to the point where he's trying to get rid of the noise and keep people focused on trying to save lives. And now, uh, a lot of the knowledge that was coming out about the vaccine, as I've already stated, a lot of that is literally in the last couple of weeks you know, about the efficacy of the of the vaccine and actually stopping the virus. There's a lot of things that came out that we didn't know when I first took the vaccine, which was that, you know, uh, one shot works 80%. So people who didn't get the second shot, the second shot, of course, makes it even more effective. But mm-hmm. one shot is 80% of, uh, effective in stopping the virus. At one point, we didn't know that it was going to stop the virus. You could still carry it. So you couldn't just take your mask off. Cause you'd be like, Hey, I'm good. Then, you know, you got it f- and, and give it to your grandmother who's unvaccinated or to some kid who doesn't know he has diabetes yet. And, and then they die. So I think what he wanted to do was to model best practices as a scientist. That's important. You know what I mean? Like that is incredibly important uh, for scientists and public health professionals to do is to show the public, this is how I'm behaving. This is how you should behave in order to stay safe. And at the time, we, did, we were, not even, um, were not even still at herd immunity, I don't believe. That's why they're doing the lotteries to get people. They're giving away guns in one state in order to, to get people to get vaccinated. We're still not at herd immunity. We're trying yeah. to get there. Um, and I think that he is trying to encourage people to do that. well okay
1: yeah no i mean i mean there's a couple things i guess one is like it's one thing to be patronizing which i really resent out of all government officials i'll just be really honest about that that's it and no matter what your political party but it's another thing to be patronizing about something that you know better on right so it's like it's like telling people like again he didn't want to send mixed messages with the cdc that's, that's, that's obviously that annoys me because that means he knew better. And yet he was still going out there instead of pressuring the CDC behind the scenes. Hey, change your guidance. This how is do we nuts. know he wasn't
0: pressuring the CDC behind scenes?
1: Because we don't know that, you know what I mean? Because and what if, sure if, if he was, he was if he, he was, he's like the least effective guy ever because the CDC is a completely different story, but similar in this sense, the CDC was moving at a glacial pace with all of its guidance. And for instance, um, surface transmission, remember all of the the stuff about like people bringing their groceries home and wiping them down with Lysol, leaving them in the sun, like, can, like would, so I, knew, I knew people who wouldn't touch their groceries for days. They would leave their groceries somewhere to like kind of burn off whatever COVID <laughs> may have been on them. Right, right. And, and, the CDC never updated its guidance. So so at, by last summer, scientists knew broadly across the scientific community that surface transmission was not a meaningful form of COVID transmission. That is not the way people get COVID. It just isn't. And yet the CDC didn't update its guidance until April of this year to say that surface transmission wasn't meaningful. And this is a part of, I think, sort of that broad government um, behavior that I think was just completely outrageous. Right. Well, no, I,
0: I, I get where you're coming from. You know, um, as we said, uh, there are things that we're gonna agree on and things that we're not. And, yeah. and I totally get your frustration with that. And the difficulty is, you can't have a whole bunch of different messages. And that was the frustration with the Trump administration um, that a lot of scientists had was, you know you had all this contradictory information coming out and and some of it was disinformation and allowed to flow f- freely and being promoted by big voices and one of the things that we need from our government when we're in the middle of a pandemic is a unified message so that i know what to do so that i know what to do with my kid so that i know what to do with my grandparents right this is what we needed and i think that that you know, again, hopefully, I don't know if Dr. Fauci would be willing to come on, but hopefully we'll be able to have someone like Dr. Fauci uh, himself since he does everybody else's podcast. Why why not ours?
1: I'd like uh, to, I, I, I'd like to talk to Fauci again. I, I don't know if I'd be able to control myself if I do now, because I I guess I would, but the point is like, I would have to, I would, I would have to cross-examine him about this clearly because I, I feel very let down by this guy and I don't feel alone. Like I, there are, he, um, Another example of this was, again, another exchange with Rand Paul, and you don't have to like Rand or his style, but um, Rand confronts me about like, wait a second, were we paying for gain-of-function research? All these scientists said we were paying for gain-of-function research at that Wuhan Institute of Virology. And Fauci's like, no, 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 we weren't paying for gain-of-function research. You're just completely wrong. Well, after he says all this, uh, a molecular biologist called Dr. Richard Ebright, who's been one of like a, one of the most famous guys in terms of just like public voices on COVID throughout the last year, he spoke up and was like, actually, the research they're describing is about as safe to assess as being gain of function research as you could possibly describe. So like Fauci, again, like he's playing like these word games, I, I realized that you kind of pointed out like, well, maybe that the spotlight was thrust upon him. I think that he is one of the most sort of slippery political figures throughout this entire process that he's That he's constantly trying to to work language and manipulate behavior, and he knows better about certain things and isn't forthcoming with the public. And as a result, when I see that he's like writing this book about what truth is, I can't get the picture of Andrew Cuomo out of my head doing the same thing this past year, where he releases a book about all the leadership lessons that he derived from, from his time as the governor of New York. In the meantime, he's like hiding all this information in the state in order to assist his $5.1 million payday. Uh, it's it, Maybe it's enough. I mean, Cuomo's, not Cuomo, but Fauci. Fauci's the highest paid government employee in the entire federal government. He, he makes $417,000 a year. How bad. much is he going to make on this book? Like, and, and why is it that all these government officials are like cashing in? And we're like, we're still in the midst of this. We're still coming down from it.
0: All right, so... <laughs> if we want to talk about who's cashed in right on covid i think the the primary people we should be talking about are not the guy who publishes an 80 page book on truth that's you know going to make a little bit of money we don't even know what he's going to do with that money but you know, that small amount of money when we could be talking about the billionaires who increased their wealth by $1.6 trillion from March
1: 2020
0: to April 2021.
1: Amen. No, that's you a know? big deal. And, I, I, and I I think both matter for sure.
0: Yeah, the the country's 790, and, and again, you know, if, if you know me, and this is, you know, people have seen me, if they know me, they've seen me and, and Tucker debate um, and usually it's, it's been a friendly debate like like what you and I do um, or, you know, discussion, not even necessarily debate all the time. Uh, sometimes we agree. Uh, but one of the things that we always agreed on is greed is really what's taken down the country. And it's not Dr. Fauci's, you know, $100,000. You know, it's the 17, it's uh, 719 billionaires that have four times as much wealth as the bottom 160 million, 165 million Americans. That's the trouble. Those are the people who have been bilking the public over over COVID. And it's anybody who wants life lessons from Fauci. I don't think this is about COVID. I don't think he's actually like, hey, this is a book about COVID and how to deal with it or how I dealt with it. It's literally life lessons, which by the way, the man is 80 years old He's been in since, I believe, the Reagan administration. He finished medical school, or he finished his residency, I think, in 1968. Like, he's been around a lot. He's been around for a long time. Uh, He dealt with a scourge that was killing uh, certain parts of our population, particularly gay people, people of color, poor people, and has it to the point now where... You know, with HIV, you can take, you know, Magic Johnson takes one pill a day. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying he's, you know, it's the best life in the world, but he takes, I take more vitamins than he takes HIV pills.
1: Right, and he's managing.
0: And and he's managing, and he'll probably die of something else. Um, Point being, you know, I think Fauci has learned a lot of lessons from the work that he's put in over his, his lifetime. He, like I said, His treatments uh, that he and his team have developed literally have solved or created therapies for three fatal, formerly fatal diseases. So the man has some life lessons. Someone wants those life lessons, go ahead and buy that 80-page book.
1: Yeah. By the way, like if he only gets a hundred thousand,
0: that's not people bilking money from. If he uh, only gets a
1: hundred thousand dollars for this book, but though he's got a bad agent because if Cuomo got five point one million dollars, like come on, you know the Fauci book is going to give a big payday. Um, I want page
0: book. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe,
1: maybe that's pretty good. Pretty good per page. That's
0: like a like you know you should be able to get that in a PDF form online.
1: Eighty pages, hundred thousand dollars—even that's pretty good. Over a thousand dollars a page, I like that. Um, let me uh, let me uh, talk about what you just mentioned though—the the billionaires and like the Amazons of the world and Jeff Bezos. And,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, what an what an incredible year! And all of a sudden, you get this pandemic hits, and the associated shutdowns, which were so destructive to so many small businesses around the country. And what you've seen is. It's so many of those small businesses are never going to return. They're gone and they're gone forever.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and who got more powerful in all of this? What well, was, it was the guys, it was, it was the Amazons. It was like, they, can you imagine like if your business has never been more wealthy than when America was suffering that, I mean, imagine just being in that position. And so that's what they were in. And now, you know, Amazon, you know, and, and they enriched China in the process. We had all these products that are being manufactured there and being sent here. Uh, and all these companies, again, <clears throat> get filthy rich on the backs of all these small businesses that got shut down by the government. And I just thought that the outcomes were so horrendous and so, so deeply unfair. Uh, and it means that America, for sure, is if if we're going to ever get back to a position where we're truly thriving. It's going to take a long time because there are only very few industries that are truly thriving and they've consolidated all the power to themselves.
0: So let let me ask you this. Are you with Donald Trump or are you with Joe Biden on corporate taxes?
1: Corporate taxes, meaning, meaning what? That corporate taxes should be higher. Corporate taxes should be lower. Is that the question?
0: I mean, uh, you know, of course they were slashed by Donald Trump. Um, Joe Biden wants them higher. Uh, Barack Obama had them even higher but you know the fact that these corporations and you know individual wealthy people should pay more taxes or do you think it should be the way Donald Trump has done it which again there's an argument for it you know what I mean I don't want to get you in trouble with the audience. No it's a great
1: question I don't care if I mean I'm not we wouldn't be doing this show if you and I cared too much about getting in trouble with people Um, I I think I've thought about this you know, I want um, a business environment that doesn't let us lose to other countries, right? So I like the idea of having an attractive uh, tax code that brings businesses back to the United States and keeps them from abandoning us to other countries. Um, This is why I think like the, for instance, the Biden administration, not only do they want to raise taxes, they're trying to convince other countries that they all have to raise taxes in order to make it so that businesses stay in America. This is the stunt they're trying to 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 pull off. I don't think it's possible. I think there will always be countries that are looking to underbid the United States to attract business there. Um, So you have to think about this differently. I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, But here's what I do think. I think American antitrust law has been about as feckless as it could possibly be for a very long time. And as a result, when you see companies consolidate incredible amounts of power at the expense of, of, thriving Americans and thriving American families across the board then we should look very seriously at breaking them up and like improving uh how we actually like when was the last time like there was any meaningful antitrust action? It's like the government's always rubber stamping every combination of everything Amazon didn't Amazon just um picked up what was the movie studio uh that they that they just picked up was it Warner Brothers it was like an eight and a half billion dollar deal Uh, like a like a week ago nobody batted an eye in fact all of the news coverage was like well there's no reason to believe any antitrust issues are going to pop up really because i'm pretty sure amazon owns a studio already i thought they had like their amazon prime studio and they're, they're they're one of the biggest streaming providers in the country for sure um you know if we're consolidating not just the economic but all of the cultural vehicles under like just like one guy or one company that's not a problem i mean these are I mean, big it, questions for sure.
0: You no, know, I, I, I agree. And I think the most egregious thing. Um, and again, uh, you know, I'm probably gonna sound like AOC and you know uh some people who are in the comments probably aren't gonna like this, but they you know, <laughs> again, I don't care that they don't like it because you know that's what it is. Um I'll tell you this. Um, I really believe. That the biggest problem is the way Amazon, with all of their power, still fight unionization the way they did in Alabama, and they don't want to pay people, you know, living wage or let them collectively bargain, you know, when they are this big behemoth monster. Um, so it's one thing. of course, Amazon makes it hard for you know, and, and all of these huge companies make it hard for other retailers. Um, But then again, there are also retailers that say, hey, I'm able to reach across the country because of Amazon, you know, I I sell my products on Amazon. There are small Mm -hmm. businesses that would say, hey, I have, you know, more access to to my customer base, you know, outside of my local area because of Amazon. And I get that discussion as well. The problem is, and I know people who have like, you know, uh you know whether they do a blog and they you know subsidize their blog with selling stuff on Amazon there's there are yeah. lots of things that i think Amazon has actually helped put a little bit of money in people's pockets just like you know when people the boogeyman was walmart at one point and there's also good things to walmart as well uh walmart hires people that were considered unemployable outside of the the labor force you right. know the person that checks your your receipt you know, or people who are disabled. Um, so there, there, there's certainly the bad, and there's also the good.
1: Yeah, but, but the- if we, to to your point, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know what all the answers are, obviously, and and I'm and I'm constantly thinking them through. I'm not, I don't adhere to anything in particular, other than I want to see Americans thrive and American families right. succeed and people paid well. Um, but at, at some point, like we have to abandon thinking consumerism above all. The cheapest possible product is the best possible outcome is a way that I think you wreck a country, because what you do is you forget the importance of taking care of workers, for sure, uh, having good thriving jobs available, and giving people the ability to own something, own their actuals, own businesses. Um, That's how you have a successful country, because if they don't feel like they have ownership of their success, that's how you get kind of a depressing, sad country. And, um, And as a result, like, you know, I really wish Washington gave a crap about any of this. And instead, we constantly get, you know, we constantly just basically get propaganda pushed to us from special interest groups who are only looking to improve their bottom line and not really thriving American families.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, Jeff Bezos, again, um, for people that, that don't own their own businesses or don't want to own their own businesses, Jeff Bezos could probably bankroll the entire country for a month just with his personal wealth. You know, if he was still married to his wife, they say he'd be worth $250 billion, a quarter of a trillion dollars. That's more than a lot of countries, you know, GDP. Like we could go probably yeah. add the, you know, the bottom 25 countries in the world and their GDP would probably add up to what Jeff Bezos has in personal yeah, wealth. Yeah, I don't begrudge people getting rich. In 17 lifetimes. Yeah. I don't I'm not against people. wealth. Let, let me be clear. Even though, you know, I'm sure some people probably are like, oh, he's a commie, he's a socialist. But I'll tell you this. I'm not against wealth. I want to be wealthy one day. I just don't want to do it at the expense of other people. And at the Yeah, like of other- right. In
1: other words, like it's like I, I think you and I probably agree on this. We're not against thriving. We're against depriving. You know, it's like we're against right. we're against, you know, constricting other people and taking control of other people's lives. Uh, and uh, and boy, does that happen in Washington? Think about the 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 vast wealth and the influence that people have. I mean, you know, to get, let me just circle back for a second, you know, on, on Anthony Fauci. One of the things that came out from his emails is the extent to which he's like on the phone with and working with Bill Gates, you know, one on one. It's just like, man, you and I don't have that. I can't pick up the phone and influence Anthony Fauci. I'm like, hey, you know, why why are you why do you have this public health decision going on? Maybe you should change your guidance on this. You know, people are not trusting you. It's not like that. Uh, But if you're Bill Gates, that that phone gets answered. If you're Melinda Gates, you're married to a rich guy. That phone gets answered. Yeah. And I think um, also
0: Bill Gates, the thing is like um, and I I will say a couple of bad things about Bill Gates, but I also say some really good (laughs) things about Bill Gates like Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. I mean, the the Jeffrey Epstein thing is weird. I don't even understand it. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like you can implicate him in what Epstein did early on. He started hanging with Epstein after.
1: After he was already a convicted sex criminal. It was so
0: weird. Like, I don't even understand it. But so I won't even go into that. But what I will say (laughs) is Bill Gates uh, and his foundation, first of all, they educate lots of Americans. Lots of my students have been Recipients of uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates, you know, scholarship. The other mm-hmm. thing that they do, particularly in places like Africa, if you were to go to Liberia, right? In Liberia, they don't have enough sanitation. Now, with the cool thing, and there was a documentary about this. Some some of our viewers may actually remember this. It was a vast yeah. documentary about the cool thing is water, clean water. Yeah. It's falling a a. a a well or something like that to give people clean water that's it's cool. huge but yeah. again if people have nowhere to put their human waste it just infects the water as soon as you leave Yeah. so uh if, you, if they're doing it in streams if they're doing it in ponds if they're doing you know they're relieving themselves because they don't have sanitation even if they put it you know uh and bury it you know dig a hole and bury it that still ends up in their water supply yeah so Bill Gates. One of the things I have to say for him, and and through his foundation, yeah, he has tackled sanitation. You know, trying to come up with new science and has funded so much science. Uh, like in Liberia, literally, people would go to the beach, which is one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, and relieve themselves.
1: Yeah, and that's true. And he's and he's he's been good on malaria too. And and yeah, like no, and and you know, but then also he wants to dim the sun. I mean, there's he, yeah, he's, I mean that's. He's, just, Weird he's, stuff. Like he's, a uh, <laughs> he's a mixed bag. Burns. He's a mixed bag. But let me just say, I I, I want to dig a hole and bury this episode because I, I keep checking my watch. I got to run, unfortunately. Uh, but this is a good conversation. As always, Jason, I, I love talking to you. I'm glad we got to finally do it on camera a couple times now. And this will keep going. This is Vince and Jason Save the Nation available always on dailycaller.com, available on the Daily Caller YouTube page. Please like and subscribe and tell a friend. That'll help us big time. Uh, have adult conversations in a world that badly needs a few. Jason, thanks a lot.
0: Thank you, Vince, once again.